Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Movement, breath, energy, and life. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Have you ever had someone close to you pass away? On this unique episode, we listen to a touching and vulnerable conversation with Matt Giordano. Before Matt's yoga journey began, he spent his days touring with his band and found himself practicing deep spirituality to heal his grief from a friend's death. Today, we have the privilege of diving into the details of Matt's yoga journey and how his practice has evolved with his love for deeper connection to self. There's never not going to be a gap between where you are now and where you want to be. As long as you recognize that where you are now is already good enough, which might be the first step, uh, the hardest step for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. then you're going to feel really good in approaching how to get to the next level for yourself. Listen close as Matt Giordano paints a picture of healing from his depression to rise from the ashes and pass on inspiration worldwide. Namaste, yogis. I am absolutely excited and stoked to be here with one of my awesome teachers yet again, Matt Giordano. How are you feeling today? Feeling good, man. Happy to be here. Yeah. Super stoked to have you on the podcast. It's been at least six months from the last time we saw you. And here you are in California. What brings you to Cali today? I'm here here this week teaching uh, an Acroyoga Solar Immersion. Nice. (laughs) I feel like one of my most incredible experiences and life transformations was in my Acroyoga teacher training. Um, where you were one of the facilitators and I got to know you a lot better and it was really a a really amazing space to be able to get to know you as a person and so I'm really excited that we had that opportunity to be able to dig deep and really understand one another and now here we are what is it like two years later three years later something like that I don't even remember honestly probably two years I guess it's but 
But yeah, teacher trainings are the best place to get to get deeper. And uh, my favorite thing to uh, do for the transformational process is just you know because you get that immersive period of time together. Yeah, so definitely. Well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today to learn a little bit more about your story, um, where you're from, and how yoga was first revealed to you. Cool. Where do you want to start with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, let's talk a little bit about your upbringing. Like, um, you know, how was your childhood, um, where you grew up, and kind of like what led you to find your yoga practice? Well, that's cool. That's interesting. Childhood. <laughs> back in the day, taking you back. Let's see. I mean, growing up, I... It's interesting. I have a brother. He's six years older than me, but it was more like a father at that, you know, that, that age difference. Um, my father and mother worked a lot, so they were both um, out of the house most of the time. I was home alone quite a bit, quite a bit as a young child. Um, some of my most potent memories are um, being alone and um, honestly scared because <laughs> um, sometimes we'd be really late at night. So. Basically, to, to give you the background, family wasn't financially um, super stable. We had enough money to get by, but um, parents had to work really hard. So mm-hmm. um, that's my strongest memory is my parents working really hard um, to just support the family. And as a result, I think um, as a child, I felt a little, I don't want to say neglected, that's way too strong of a word, but... Um, like uh, even though I know intellectually or knew intellectually even at that time that they were working so hard for me, mm-hmm. um, the feeling was that they weren't there. Um, uh, even though I also know knew that they totally loved me, and um, so I, I didn't feel unloved by any means. It's just that was like kind of the the general vibes, like parents working so hard and um, always feeling like I think I wanted a little bit more time with my family yeah and so you were saying that your brother was like a father figure growing up was that something that you say um positively as like he basically guided you and you kind of took after your brother um no actually i wouldn't say it was necessarily the most positive thing um my brother and i because of that dynamic he was more of a father figure wasn't more of like a um not so much a mentor figure, more of like uh, do things this way kind of father figure. Mm. Um, and it, it took us 30 years before we became friends. Wow. Um, so and not that we, we never had anything, no bad blood between each other, just very opposite personalities. And I think the age difference plus, you know, I think like partially him feeling like um, maybe the responsibility of a, a a lot about kind of raising me a little bit in some ways, not really raising me, but but having to feel some sort of extra responsibility, I think. And then me feeling like th- this person was always maybe, um, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting thought, but it, sometimes they're uh, too much and, they're, and not there enough at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting dynamic and... Um, it led me to being a very independent and creative child, I will say, which was the, the coolest thing, I think, that came out of the whole thing. Because um, being alone so much, you figure out how to entertain yourself. 
you know definitely uh, it wasn't like there was like the internet you know when you're a kid it was like you have to make things up and and so i spent lots of times uh, lots of my childhood creating games and making stories and you know uh building tents and whatever you know whatever i could to entertain mm-hmm. myself so where'd you grow up i grew up in long island new york and uh in a little town called seacliff hmm. yeah out in the out in the wilderness kind of like is is that more it's, so in the tree like very densely no and it's not so much the wilderness more like sub, like creative suburbia not ah. not like california suburbia where every house is the same it's more artistic uh it's it was actually an artist colony um before it became um a town um and when it incorporated as the village of seacliff it um it stuck with this kind of artistic theme. So everyone that kind of lives there has hmm. very artistic vibe to them. Their own yeah. little quirkiness. Yeah. That's and awesome. It, and it's like a, in some ways, a little beach town, not a surf town because it's on, it's on the bay, but you know, everyone's got a sailboat or a boat and everyone goes to the, the beach and yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's nice. When it's not freezing cold out. So when did you first find yoga? Yeah. So when I was about 17, I, I, uh, sorry, when I was 16, I started playing in a band and I was a guitar player, well, drummer at first and then a guitar player second. And for, we toured for eight years up and down the East coast. So you guys were pretty good then. Yeah. I mean, we, we had some, um, you know, we didn't start off good, (laughs) started off like a train wreck, but you know, like just kids learning how to play music. And then eventually, uh, little by little really honed our craft and our skill as, as musicians and as a team and started opening for big bands and um, touring quite a bit and playing in front of huge crowds and it, it, it had its success, you know, and we were, we stayed independent for the whole time. So um, there was a lot of stress that went along with that because we're young kids learning how to be musicians, learning how to be friends, learning how to be brothers, learning how to travel together um, and learning how uh, how the whole music industry works as a whole mm-hmm. while it's changing at the time Napster was coming in and oh, wow. uh, it was like how do people make money now or record or should you go with a record label or should you not there was it was all up in the air so um, it was a it was a huge learning process and a lot of I think ultimately led to a lot of um, draining of of all of our energies mm. and so that's the tip off as to where the yoga began. It wasn't, it wasn't yoga at first, but I'll give you like a little insight as to what, you know, the transformational process from being in a band to transforming into a a yogi or yoga instructor. I mean, imagine traveling with eight dudes, sometimes more Mm -hmm. and sitting in traffic for most of that time, sleeping in, uh, hotel rooms with two to you know two to a bed sometimes you know or you're on the floor or you're sleeping in the van when in the freezing cold weather or some really rough times we were in like these nasty basements with the you know who knows what down (laughs) there when was anything clean probably not for you know 20 years or whatever so it was yeah the the situation led me to um and then well, well that on top of um the ups and downs of you're in front of the fans and everyone's got all this attention and energy on you and everyone's mm-hmm. talking to you after the, and, and they want to, they want to like engage with you. And then suddenly you're in a van in traffic 
and it's quiet and everyone's drained. It's like these highs and lows that were so extreme and at a young age with no communication skills, no skills to calm yourself down or to bring yourself back up to an even level. Um, I think I fell way out of balance as far as who I was and um, as a person and what my values were kind of slipped out the door and so I became really irritable Mm. and argumentative and my attitude was going down the drain in a way that um, my friends started to notice you know the people in the band started to notice and I was falling I think more rapidly than than others Um, and so one day my band members called me in for a meeting Mm. and it was like an intervention (laughs) basically said we don't like your attitude anymore and if you want to stay in this band then you're going to change otherwise we don't want to be in this with you Mm. so this was like I mean I, I don't know maybe I was probably like 21 at the time or something like that what a challenge that was to hear from your best friends that they don't want to be around you anymore. Yeah, and how long have you guys been together traveling and... Yeah, at the time, probably like five years, I, I assume. I, I, I can't... The timeline's a little blurry, but yeah, something like that. And my first reaction was, well, screw you guys. I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I wanted to leave. I figured I could find another band, other friends, like... You know, run away from they the were wrong. Yeah, run away from the problem. They were the ones in the wrong. And um, I realized the next day that I knew if I ran to, uh, ran away and found other friends and found another band, the pattern would re- repeat itself. Mm-hmm. So I made a decision that I was going to stay and I was going to change. And the method of the the way that I just started this um, process of changing was I knew one of the things was I was so argumentative that's what everyone you know brought up so I said well if I'm so adamant and good at arguing then maybe I should argue with myself first argue the other point argue what the other side of the opinion might be and so I did it was like kind of a rather um, violent way of going about it but what happened was I'd start arguing against myself and what was happening was I was observing my own opinions, my own thoughts. I was witnessing my actions, my reactions in my mind. Mm-hmm. And this began the track of self-inquiry. Svadhyaya, mm-hmm. um, yeah. introspection. Exactly. And rapidly I started noticing a change in myself. My bandmates started to notice a change. And even deeper, something was happening inside that I, I couldn't quite explain to anyone at the time uh, like there was an opening a gateway into something that I, I had never experienced before and it all culminated in this moment at a uh, friend of ours wake it was actually a, um, a producer of ours he had passed away and I'm, st- I'm standing at this wake everyone's barefoot so you take your shoes off because he was always barefoot so mm. we're all barefoot standing on the grass and there's a bunch of people up on stage and they're um, doing these little sound meditation bowls and they're 
oming chanting and they're calling out this guy's name brian and i was like oh my god this is so weird you know this is <laughs> such a weird vibe i felt like it's interesting that they were calling out his name that's yeah like, that's the, the whole thing was at the time a, a bit like out there for me it was a little <laughs> strange but you know i was like well these are brian's friends i'm, gonna, I'm just gonna try my best to be open about this and whatever mm-hmm. and in uh, a few moments of of just kind of being like we're gonna just be in this and 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 be open to it in those few moments something happened where my entire world shifted and i it happened i heard someone shift from their left foot to their right foot i could hear like a gentle sound of a twig crackling under their foot and i don't know how far that person was away but i could I could hear it and I could feel it. Then suddenly like my my vision darted to a tree and I saw a bird like truly alive and then the colors started to shift and um, it was like watching an HD TV for the first time with like <laughs> high definition, like crazy colors. I mean, the orange was like popping out at me and then suddenly like the air started to feel different and the sky looked different and everything shifted massively. It was like a leaf became alive to me. Mm. So I had like, and and I attribute that to all of this um, self inquiry leading up to this moment was was, you know, opening something in my mind. Would you say that that shift was perhaps attuned to the singing bowls, or was it just like you surrendering to being uncomfortable in that situation? What was it that made that switch? Yeah, I mean, maybe it was symbols. I, I doubt that. I think it was really the the second, the other thing you said that um, it's more like I was just open minded, so open for the first time, and really wanting to connect with Brian, who was dead. You know, this guy who passed, but I really wanted to connect with him. Um, and suddenly, I felt him in everything. You know, mm. it was he was in all of nature. For the rest of that week, I will say everything stayed vibrant like that. And I could feel him in like the, the just like the birds, the breeze, the sun, the, the you know, like the sky, the water, everything was just like him. Mm. And I started, that began an interesting process for me because I started speaking to Brian on a nightly basis, daily basis or whatever it was in my head, asking Brian questions. And And Brian would answer. Brian would answer in plain English, no interpretive nonsense, just like, this is the answer. And And so it was his voice. It was him. His voice, like, and it wouldn't be like, it wouldn't just be, hey, Brian, I need this. And then boom, it would be, ask the question, wait and listen. And And sometimes I'd have to wait for a while. Sometimes it was quick. But sometimes I would just wait and listen and boom, just hit me in the face like, Phoom, and it would be so loud. Phoom, this is the answer, you know? So I, I, I was like, man, I, I've got a guide now. So I've got this person guiding me through life. I ask questions every night and it seemed to just make life lighter and more free. And I was honestly, I, I was totally scared of this because I, I never, I was never religious. So I had never prayed in my life. Um, certainly never, you know, thought about 
talking to ghosts or talking about dead people or, you know, am I, am I hearing voices in my head? You know, like what is Am I going crazy? Who knows? You know, but all I know is it feels good. Yeah. Maybe I see (laughs) dead people, (laughs) but you know, it felt good. So I was like, whatever, it's just, it's, it's gotta be a good thing. And I, I rode the wave and I was like, okay, let me, let me just see where life takes me. If I keep asking these questions and what type of questions would you ask? Um, mostly usually about conflict I would say at the time like if I'm having a conflict with somebody or having um, I don't know which route to go in life what do I do those kind of you know like helpless questions like I can't figure this out on my own type of questions and I need I need somebody's support mm-hmm. um, it wasn't like big big questions like tell me the meaning of life but it was more like these very specific um, circumstances that were eating at me you know mm. And I would get these really great answers. But what I started to notice that was the more I listened and the more I asked, the more uh, things would come to life. And so I started playing around with what I now know as the law of attraction. But at the time, I was just figured as making things happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's what the law of attraction is. Essentially, making things, happen, making things happen. Yeah. You ask and you shall receive. Exactly. <laughs> so I decided... <laughs> so I started playing around with this a little bit like, hey, can we make this happen or can I make this happen? And, and uh, you know, it was wild what was, what was coming to life. And one of those things, I was, uh, I was on tour quite a bit and I started to worry like, man, I'm never going to like have a, a girl to settle down with because you know, I'm on the road all the time. Who's going who's gonna, to, who am I going to meet first of all, which I know sounds weird in a band. You're like, oh, don't you meet a lot of people? But we had a no fan rule. Like mm-hmm. we're no, yeah. uh, we had no drugs rule, no alcohol rule. So we, so we were pretty like really, uh, really focused with what we wanted to do and that left no time or no space to meet people Mm -hmm. have relationships other than your own exactly so i felt lonely i felt scared that i wasn't gonna meet somebody so one time i came home went straight to the beach it was like probably three or four p.m and i walked out onto the the rocks that are out in the water and the sun is like beaming down on the water and I just like looked up and I was like, please, I need to meet somebody. And in my head, I was, it was going to be, you know, it was going to be like the girl of my dreams, you know? And, uh, I, I go home, I take a shower, I come back at sunset and uh, on this beach in this town, that's one square mile where, you know, everybody, there was one girl who I didn't know. <laughs> sitting on the beach and so you know in my head is like oh my god this is the one <laughs> so i i walk out on the beach i'm i'm terrified often of like speaking to people so i and not not if i if i know them it's fine but new people I, like mm-hmm. i don't know how to start conversations start yeah, yeah i'm not like a you know i'm not just like the suave guy that's gonna come up to you and say the right cool thing to get the conversation rolling um <laughs> so i walk down and I'm like, I walked past her and I was like, okay. <laughs> do the slow turn Yeah, I didn't exactly, <laughs> didn't do anything. Then I walked back past her again and circle around her. And mind you, there's just 
two people on the beach, me and her. So <laughs> I'm within like, you know, five, ten foot proximity of her, right? So I walk around her and then I walk down to the water. And I step my feet in the water and I look up out of the same sun that I was gleaming on the ocean before. And I realize, oh my God, this is, this is an interesting thing. I asked, I received, yet nothing's going to happen unless I take some action. Mm-hmm. I have to participate. And actually that wasn't, I, I'm saying like that was my realization. That was actually what Brian said to me. You know, like you can ask and I'll grant it to you, but you've got to do the work too. Mm. So I knew I had to go and say something. So I walked back up and around and then like stood near her awkwardly and said like some, I stumbled over a whole bunch of sentences that didn't make any sense. And she just like looked up at me and she's like, hi, Mm. (laughs) knowing that I was like, you know, totally a mess right there in that moment. And she was so warm and like um helpful just mm. in helping the conversation yeah, go. she says you know oh you play guitar and i said how do you know i play guitar well you have a pick around your neck <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> observant you know and then the conversation started and i thought i was like instantly in love and uh this uh, oh, shorten the story a little bit fast forward like a couple of weeks after trying to to like connect with this girl finally she's like you know what Let's meet at this place at this time. So I met her down at another part of a beach. And she says to me, like, tell me something that you've never told anybody. And I'm like, wow. Okay, I just just met you. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I chased, time I chased you for two weeks and you still... <laughs> and now this is the first question you ask me. And I'm thinking, well, what haven't I told anybody before? I've told, like, my, my buddy Jesse, like, everything up to that point. Then I realized I hadn't told anybody that I was talking to a dead person. Oh. I hadn't, like, admitted that there's, that I'm speaking to somebody, you know, that who's not alive. So I told her. She asked the right question, I guess. But I just told her, and she said, she was like, she listened the whole time, didn't judge a single moment of it. And she just asked me, like, how did you become so vulnerable? How did you, where did you find that courage? And I was like, that's a good thing. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, that's it's amazing. I'm going to I want you to read this book." And so I was like, "What book?" And it's called Wisdom of the Peaceful Warrior. And she's like, "When you're done, we'll hang out again." I was like, <laughs> "This is an awesome girl." Yeah, I was like, "Wow. Okay." So I drove straight to Barnes and Noble immediately. <laughs> found the book. It, like it took me like an hour to figure out where, what section this book would be in. And started reading with the intent, like, I'm going to finish this by tomorrow. (laughs) But, like, within the first few pages, I was, like, in, in this book. I was like, whoa, this is not a fast read. Uh, One of those ones you got to, like, read the same page at least three times. Exactly. And (laughs) and I, like, took, I mean, like, this book was covered in pen, just, like, notes in every margin and highlights and underlines. And that's part of what the... um, the deal was I would have to I'd have to write in the book and give it to her then we'll we'll hang out again that was basically yeah (laughs) so so I started writing and started and within the first few pages it said you know like if you're struggling with meditation try a moving meditation such as tai chi or uh, aikido or yoga and I had been trying to quote unquote meditate 
throughout this time of, I don't know if you want to call it praying or guidance or whatever, uh, to Brian, I also was trying at the same time, trying to meditate, still the mind. My only understanding of meditation was it was absence of thought. So trying to get rid of thought when all I heard was like the sounds in my head and all the different, the layers of thoughts. It was like, whoa, this is just way too hard. So a moving meditation, that sounds great. And my stepmom's a yoga teacher. So mm-hmm. I, I called her up and I said, hey, you know, Patty, um, I, I think I want to try yoga. Like, when can I come? She's like, oh, you know, here's the schedule she gave me. She uh, told me the schedule. I wrote everything down. And the next day I was in her first yoga class. And when I arrived she said you know give it three times and you'll know if you like it by the third time and the first warrior two I was like I like it I love this practice Ah. I'm in this is it (laughs) and I went every day from that point forward wow so from finding that you just enjoyed yoga was it that your body was like attuned to those movements was it that your mind needed that flow or what did you feel was like the most resonating factor of yoga that brought you to really love it? It's a great question. So I, I, I'll say two things. One, warrior two was really reminiscent of my childhood growing up with martial arts. I did Taekwondo as a kid and that uh, was a really disciplined practice of like, we used to hold postures forever. And if somebody like stopped then you have to hold it even longer, you know, this group group discipline. And so when we were warrior two as a group holding it, I was like, hit me. I was like, oh, this feels like when I, you know, my upbringing in a way, this feels like martial arts. Um, and then the other thing that really grabbed me was all, everything that I had been exploring for myself, all this um, self-inquiry and uh, law of attraction and, um just personal development Mm -hmm. within the first few seconds my stepmother started talking about and I was like oh my god it's a whole lot of people that are all doing the same thing it's not just me Mm -hmm. like I had felt alone in this journey up until that point really Mm. I thought I was the only one in the world who was like trying to witness their own thoughts and you know you don't know it's a thing unless other people come out about it and and say like hey I'm doing this too and this wasn't at a time where yoga was like this big popular movement or even or meditation or any of these things it wasn't it didn't have uh, the understanding or awareness that it does now amongst pop culture it was like just the little thing that you know was done maybe on Jane Fonda television or you know whatever yeah. it was um, so for me it was it was huge to, to be feel like I was a part of something yeah that's beautiful and and coming to that space where you were able to connect with others was it confirmational in the sense that you then saw that your process was something that a lot of people were practicing yeah I don't know uh, if if it confirmed anything necessarily um, other than that I was on the right path and that that other people have their own way of going about kind of what I was going about. It wasn't until I think years later when I really got into meditation practice and, and deeper into um, study of like philosophy, uh, the yoga traditions and stuff that I really made the connection like, oh yeah, I, I was already doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just felt good that people wanted to, to feel better and wanted to see their own 
thoughts and their own inner being you know that's that was and also just like to get in touch with their body i was like i was just so out of touch with my body that you know my my stepmom as my first teacher she was teaching all sorts of great techniques with the body and i i was just i remember i would move my shoulder like up and back and do this thing and then I, the next week i would spend opening every every door with the shoulder movement uh-huh. and you know like grabbing every glass with the shoulder washing the dishes paying attention to my shoulders so i was i took everything that i learned in each class and i integrated it throughout my entire day it wasn't like oh here's my yoga class and then i forget it and then i come back some other time i was like i learned something i tried to figure out how to incorporate it into my whole life Hmm. i feel that what you just said is like the key to truly embodying yoga not only as a practice but also as a lifestyle Mm, yeah and that sense of embodiment of the practice, the mindfulness, the attunement is what helps the practice to progress in your life and actually become a beneficial factor to your life. So would you say with that mindful awareness, um, was that kind of like uh, a catalyst towards your yoga practice blossoming? I would say that it was the foundation for my entire transformation as far as being a yogi or being a human being um it became the the kind of the template of how i learned and how i grew i mean up until now still like it's uh i don't just learn something and then kind of you know wait till the next class i learn it and i incorporate it into everything i do whether that's a spiritual teaching, um, an anatomy um, understanding, a physical technique or uh, emotional awareness or whatever it is, a conversation skill, um, trying to bring, trying to really incorporate it in all aspects of my life so that it um, it is me, you know, becomes a part of me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So... From what point of being a student, um, was there like a time in your studentship and your learning of yoga that you were like, I would like to teach this? <laughs> okay, funny funny story. I um, So I had been practicing for a few months with, with my stepmother and, I, and other teachers in the area. And my friends knew I was going and I was, I was doing all this yoga and i was at a party one night and i did a keg stand <laughs> a perfect keg stand <laughs> exactly and someone pointed you out and was like you want to try a handstand man <laughs> <laughs> well they asked like how did you know I, I mean i had very little support and i was up on the keg doing you know keg stand <laughs> and so they're they're like how, what are you doing what is this like is that your yoga practice and i said yeah it's yoga <laughs> And they're like, well, what is yoga? Is it just stretching? And I was like, no, there's so much more to it. And I didn't get into the the spiritual stuff at the time, but I I showed them some arm balances and they're like, I want to do that. So I was like, yeah, come to class with me. And they're Mm -hmm. like, no, that's weird. I'm not going to a yoga studio. I was like, what do you mean you're not going to a yoga studio? Ah, it's weird. You know, I don't, I don't. I don't know anybody or thought, you know, they had all the excuses in the world. So I said, well, what if I taught you? Like, no, I didn't even think about it. I just said, well, what if I taught you? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I would, I would come. 
And so I was like, oh, well, all right, let's do it. Uh, let's do it Monday. It was like Saturday night. So let's do it Monday, uh, 5.30. And they're like, cool. I was like, yeah, but you're going to pay me $5. <laughs> I had this understanding. Like I knew right off the bat that they wouldn't go unless there was some sort of commitment involved. So I was like, all right, $5 yoga. Anybody can come, $5. So I think it was uh, six dudes came. And I taught like a three-hour-long asana practice. And wow. I, I have no idea what I taught. I just like spit everything I had learned up until that point. You know, mm-hmm. I just like threw it out at them. And um, and they're like, cool, when's the next time after this? It's like, <laughs> oh, cool, all right. Uh, we'll do it next Monday. And so next Monday rolls around, and they each like bring some friends. And um, now it's like, you know, 12 students. And I was like, wow. when's the next time? Well, why don't we do it like we can just do it on Wednesday? All right, cool. And then like uh, a Lululemon employee shows up because it's a friend of a friend or whatever. And she's like, this is amazing. The the following Monday, she brings all of her fellow employees <laughs> from like the two stores on, on Long Island. And now it's like 20 something people there. And then the next week they bring all of their... Uh, the people like that they that meet in the stores yeah and they're like <laughs> so suddenly it's like these crazy classes we moved it to three nights a week and it was where were you teaching them in my mom's basement wow <laughs> yeah it was like this you know small basement nothing nothing big we were just l- literally overlapping mats you know people just on top of each other didn't care it was this like 9 p.m. yoga to, to midnight on Sundays, you know, the 5.30 on Mondays and Wednesdays, I think it was like 7 or whatever it was. But we'd have these late night practices sometimes um, where people would just kind of like, it, it became a thing. It was like, oh no, it's like, you got to come to this place on, on Long Island. It's in a basement and it's like, you know, it's like till midnight. <laughs> so People were probably stoked about that yeah, just to be able to connect. Yeah, you know? it was so random, you know, and there were so many... Um, kind of quirky things about it that uh i think today these days is normal like in the restaurant industry it's all about the quirkiness you know now mm-hmm. and, and everything is all about like that boutique style um kind of look and and vibe and we were doing it accidentally you know it's just like we had a basement and you know sometimes it would be that basement would flood even so there'd be like wet like floor it was not you know nothing nothing exciting about the place but but people piled in anyway and it was memorable yeah it was definitely memorable and and still you know a lot of those people are are practicing today and and uh some of them even traveling around and i i um catch them from time to time it's it's fun to like to see what came out of that experience um but yeah, I started three three months into my my learning process. I just started teaching. I wasn't intending to teach. It just it just sort of happened, you know. Awesome. Yeah. And then did you end up doing your first teacher training soon after that? Um, yeah. So what happened was I eventually started getting hired <laughs> at all the local gyms and studios, and uh, I was teaching in uh, like you know at events and. Um, Eventually, I assisted at a studio in Pure uh, Pure Yoga in Manhattan, um, and it was through somebody who I what longer story, but um, (laughs) but basically I started assisting there, and um, my teacher at the time didn't show up because he was scheduled to be on vacation, but the there was a miscommunication. Who knows what happened. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I'll teach it. And the front desk was like, oh, okay, yeah, please teach it. So I taught the class and I got um, 
12 comment cards filled out saying that, that I should teach there. And like, so the, the, um, the manager or whatever she was, the direct, the director at the time calls me to office. Like we got 12 comment cards and the only time we've ever gotten 12 comment cards was 12 complaints, you know, and they're all, these are all, these are all positive. We'd love to hire you. Tell me about your background. You know, what, where, where did you train? And I was like, uh, I'm not trained. <laughs> well, just, in my mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you know, like my stepmom, and uh, you know, That's she's, awesome. she was like, well, we can hire you, but you can't actually teach until you become certified. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and she's like, well, we got a training coming up if you want to be a part of that. I was like. Yeah, that sounds amazing. But I was flat out broke from being in a band for so long. Yeah. Uh, still kind of was in a band at the time. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do. I really wanted to do this training, but I had no money. My teacher at the time did some fundraisers. Some good friends came out. They supported. They they threw in money. Um, Chris Lobsack was one of those people. She, she threw in some money. And Mary Ranas is another one. She threw in money. And... Um, people were really trying to help me get this, you know, get into this training. And, um, yeah, I was really well supported by, by people thinking, you know, just seeing my passion, seeing that I really wanted this and they really wanted to help out. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it it worked out that I got to do this training. Um, and I was going to do a kind of work exchange for pure yoga. In the end, I was going to work the front desk a certain amount of hours, never worked the front desk a certain amount of hours. So the director was like you know what i got a better idea instead of working the front desk why don't we give you you know you teach a free community class for us um this way you get the you get the experience of teaching here and you know and we have it's better value than having you at the front desk yeah and i was like okay fair enough and that was great because it was a class at pure yoga one of the most prestigious studios at the time in manhattan and now I could tell other people I'm teaching there. And so yeah. it got me, it uh, gave me my start in Manhattan. And you already yeah. had your community that you were cultivating every week. No, that was out on Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> that was out on Long Island. And it, it was totally, you know, Manhattan and Long Island are two very different places. Hmm. Um, so like it, it was um, my first class had a friend of mine and then these two random girls. And uh that was a much different experience than, than like the slam packed 30, you know, people in a room. And, uh, so I had to rebuild and it was a process of rebuilding, but I slowly, but surely, uh, you know, just kept going and and worked hard at it. It definitely shows. Um, I feel that not only are you truly embodied in your practice, but the articulation that you have in your teaching skill and also the way that you present yoga is from your heart and it's so easy to feel that and i think that's why you know immediately when you started teaching there you started building that community and those people came for you because they saw and they felt that and that's why you got that 12 comic cards obviously because they could feel your heart in the practice yeah i think i thank you for that um my passion has been strong you know since the beginning i i loved I loved the practice and at the time, I still do, but at the time I really just, there was so much love there that to be able to share it with others like lit me up, you know, and still does, um, which is why I still do this. But um, I think, you know, now there's years of um, practice and skill that I've 
cultivated to, to be the teacher I am on top of the passion. But then, you know, it was just kind of winging it a lot. But I think the passion attracted people in regardless of my ability to teach a class or not, you know. Definitely. Yeah. So a large demographic of our listeners are actually yoga teachers. Mm. So um, I want to give our yoga teachers and perhaps soon to be yoga teachers or people who are really looking forward to taking their teacher training um, a few tips that you would give them because obviously that passion is there but what do you feel transforms that passion into um, bringing forth like three characteristics of a really strong teacher everybody's on their own path and has something different so the most the key the, the number one thing to do, first of all, is to sit with yourself and ask yourself what you value most in a teacher. What do you feel is, what, what do you hold in the highest regard? What attracts you to other teachers? What makes you, what makes you like totally moved by someone and not by somebody else? And then ask yourself, what qualities do you have that are powerful in their own right that move other people ask yourself what about you already not like where you want to be but what about you already is powerful then ask yourself okay so well we'll state this i've got uh i have this vision of what is an amazing teacher i have these qualities about myself that are already great that I've got this foundation of who I am. And then there's the like the gap between where you are now and where you want to be always, right? There's never there's never not going to be a gap between where you are now and where you want to be. As long as you recognize that where you are now is already good enough, which might be the first step, uh, the hardest step for a lot of people, mm-hmm. then you're going to feel really good in approaching how to get to the next level for yourself you're gonna say mm-hmm. i mean this is it's maybe the advice in life forget about teaching it's just happy where you are now and ready for the next step mm-hmm. um so it's a it's a matter of being appreciative of what you already possess so what are your skills who are you what makes you you and letting that be the forefront of who you are, letting that, letting that out, letting people see that. Forget about trying to act or be or do something like somebody else. Just first and foremost, let yourself out, which is the number one thing most new teachers and quite frankly, most teachers do not do. Just let them, you know, like a lot of people joke about the, the yoga voice. There's a yoga voice because people are covering up their own personality. Mm-hmm. So let go of any sort of script or any sort of um, way of talking that you think is yoga and just be you. Just talk the way that we're talking right now. Just like have a conversation, you know, mm-hmm. have a conversation with your students. That's the first step. Then the second step is like, okay, now knowing that this is my foundation of who I am, there's always room for improvement. And that's where you start to ask yourself, okay, who, who inspires me? What are their qualities? And how can I move towards those qualities? And how can I incorporate them into who I am already? Mm. That's, that's, really, that's really poignant in the sense that 
becoming the observer of like what do I admire and how can I take those admirable aspects of others and embody them mm. yeah because if you are now the the pitfall is you look at people that you admire and you're intimidated by them and so you you cover up for your insecurities that you're not there yet by um, by overplaying who you think you are which is always a disaster <laughs> um, and then the other thing is being too timid to let yourself out. And so you put on a show of somebody else's personality through your own. And so you start acting. Um, so, yeah, again, be yourself first and foremost. Then ask yourself, who do you admire? Who do you love? What, what do you love about them? And what are their qualities that you consider to be amazing? And then move towards that but not towards them just move towards those qualities for you mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense yeah that's a really great explanation but i did ask for three oh, okay. <laughs> so what, what, was that one <laughs> that was two that was two that was two okay cool so i guess let's sum it up so i've got authenticity basically is the first part mm-hmm. uh and then um hum- humility the desire to to grow um and let's just go with like um, with clarity, I, I think, like, um, how do you want your life to look? Mm. Because I would say, the reason I'm saying this one is because at first, when you are teaching yoga, I think you'll you'll do just about anything to teach. It doesn't really matter. You'll just teach. I mean, that was the way I was. I taught, I taught for uh, $30 for an hour and a half. You know, I taught, like, for free a bunch. I and I would bounce around all over the place. And I mean, I would go from Long Island to New York City to uh, Scarsdale, which was like another half, four, 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. Um, and I would just drain my energy. So if you can sit down, close your eyes and envision what your life looks like in a year and in five years. And be really honest. Be, be super honest with yourself as to what the ideal life looks like and knowing this that in one month you do the same exercise and it may shift or even a day later you might be like no i've figured it out i want this now Mm -hmm. but the fact that you give yourself the space to be totally honest with yourself about how you want your life to be is going to uh, help you from us not burn out and it's also going to help you design your career and everything else around that vision so um it's a it's an honesty that i think most of us struggle with because we all want to go towards what we think is attainable now so if you you know if i ask you to hey envision your life in the next five years everything you probably want to envision is something that seems within your grasp. Mm -hmm. But if you really close your eyes and open up to vulnerability and say like, Hey, this is what I really want. And even though it seems impossible, I'm going to be honest and say, this is what I really want. Hmm. That's a really good one. Cause I feel that nowadays, especially there's not a lot of people who sit down and visualize things that they feel may be impossible. Mm-hmm. Because the by 
visualizing or admitting to the impossible as as what you want, you set yourself up for potential failure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And most people would rather be right than be happy. So I'd rather... (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good point. Yeah. So I'd rather rather, um, be right that I never got anywhere in life. Or I'd rather be right that I I am where I am now and I knew I was going to be there than take the risk at potentially seeing what I really want and then moving towards it and potentially maybe not getting there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, I think it was Tony Robbins or someone, someone like that said, um, you know, everything in life, everything will either fail or disappear. Knowing that, knowing that everything either fails or disappears do you do it anyway? <laughs> That's the truth of life. Yeah. Heck yes, you do it anyway. Yeah, because why? <laughs> what, what, I mean, what else is it? It's gonna fail or, or disappear, yeah. so you might as well might as well do it. Live it to the fullest. Yeah, just give it give it your best, and, and at least you're you were honest with yourself. And the reality is, when you finally give it your best, when when you finally admit to yourself, things flow faster than you imagined. You think five years is going to be your impossible vision and suddenly it comes in two, maybe three. Totally. I feel you there. Um, This podcast is a huge example of that for me and building this community and being able to have conversations with some of the most admirable teachers that I've ever met in my life. So it's a really beautiful experience. Um, With that being said, I have to ask, how has it been in traveling and teaching and really having a following now of people who are really adamant about your teachings Um, because I know that you teach at Wonderlust and um, I think it would actually be a great idea to give a little scope of where you have taught and some of your most accomplished um, teaching experiences thus far. Sure yeah I started I started travel teaching with Wanderlust Festival about five or six years ago and that was uh, I done I've done the full circuit I think five times um, that uh, the four U.S. locations and two Canadian locations, and at first that was the 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 gist of what I did as far as traveling maybe a little bit outside of Manhattan but um, to be honest I was scared to do more than that because I was scared that I wouldn't be able to succeed with it hmm. so I did what was easy was this festival gave me an opportunity and I went with it but I got had gotten asked quite a bit to teach elsewhere but I figured well no one's gonna come so I'm not I'm not gonna go Aww. I'm not gonna go out to LA and teach a you know or I'm not gonna go out here and teach because who's gonna come um so I admittedly for quite some time didn't travel and uh about two or three years ago, I just said, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to say yes. And so I said yes to the first person and then the next person, and the next person. And so what happened was I started off mostly on the East Coast. Like I think Boston was my first real like kind of further trip. And then, um, you know, it expanded out throughout the Northeast and then the Midwest. And then Wanderlust became an avenue for me to um, go to more and more locations. So now I was being asked a lot more, one, because I think I was really ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, I was a better teacher. And three, because I was putting it out there that I'm, I am traveling. Yeah, you're visible. Yeah. So uh, the, the U.S. started becoming a popular place for me to tour. It just so happened one day that um, Daniel Scott, a fellow acro yoga teacher. Yeah, I love Daniel. <laughs> the mustache man himself. Yes. He, he was actually one of my first interviews. Was he? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, 
he uh, he played a very important role in my career. Just a just a quick moment that changed a lot of things for me. He um, he was invited to teach at a Wanderlust festival in New Zealand or, or whatever wherever it was. It conflicted with um, a an Austrian yoga conference that he was um, set to teach at, and they said, you know, there's, can you get us somebody who can teach acro yoga and yoga? He's like, yeah, I've got the perfect person. So he, he asked me to go and I was honestly like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm teaching, you know, teaching Austria. But it, the, the, the comfort zone was, I'm just filling in for somebody, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I, I had this feeling of like, ah, oh, it's okay. I'm just filling in someone and I'm going to Austria, a place I've never been. Might as well do it. So I said yes, and even though there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of challenges around saying yes because it was like a month to to book my flight and flights were super expensive. I had to get all subs for the classes and whatever. There was all sorts of excuses there, but I made it work. I went there and I left an impression, and immediately was invited to the next conference a few months later, and then the next conference a few months after that, and then uh, studios and and so now Europe is one of my I'm. I was in uh, this this year Europe uh, six times each time um, three to four different countries. So it's been Europe's been a huge place for me to tour. Um, still touring quite a bit in the U.S. Uh, t- uh, teaching in Dubai and and this year uh, I'll be teaching in uh, Jakarta for the first time. So um, yeah, I've been you know just just kind of riding the wave of, of touring and it's been quite cool um, how's it been for me is that what you're asking as well like yeah. what, what, what's the experience so I'll say that the, the best experience for me is meeting meeting people and, and experiencing different cultures different families different studios uh, and I'm also trying to learn different languages fairly unsuccessfully but you know <laughs> it's still it's still a lot of fun to to kind of get to know different languages and um and i you know the the coolest part is sharing this practice with as many people as possible something that i'm really passionate about and and this kind of approach to yoga that i've cultivated over this time and and giving just letting people into this world that i've created you know for myself and now to to give it to other people to try on is is super exciting um on on the same note i moved to connecticut a couple of years ago and have a home with my fiance soon to be wife rebecca and congratulations thank you uh we've We've got a farm. We've got goats, and we have alpacas and chickens. And I just have to ask: Is Rebecca the same girl you met on the beach? No. Oh. Good. Good question. Good question. Uh, the girl I met on the beach is, is still one of my closest friends. Her name is Julia, oh. uh, and uh, there never was what I imagined to be there. Um, we, we, you know, I thought that was what it was going to be, and um, Julia and I wound up being kind of like accountability buddies where yeah. we would we'd meet each week in a um in a Barnes and Noble and we would we would talk with each other and ask each other what our dreams were hmm. and then we would like hold each other to it um really strongly you know because we knew we were going to meet the next week so we had Sometimes to make steps those are the best friends and those oh are the God. ones that you don't want to overstep that boundary of um you know sensuality you can just 
fully embrace the love that you have with that person as an intellect and as a friendship. You well, know? yeah, and you know, I think when when you're younger, it's also you're just not sure. It's there's a there's this thing that attracts you to people, and you can think that's an attraction, right? Like, or you mm-hmm. think, um, but as you like as you grow, you start to realize that attractions happen for several reasons, you know? Um, and, and if you allow, if you're open to the different potential reasons for the attraction to happen, sometimes some just amazing connections happen. So, um, so she became one of my closest friends and, um, guides and, you know, mentors as well. And, um, we're still super close right now. And, um, so Rebecca, my fiance, uh, we met about, uh, four or five years ago, uh, five years ago we met. Um, and now we have this farm and we've got this beautiful life together. She also is, she's a, she's always on tour herself. She's a dancer, but so we have been in the space of really loving the times mm. that we get to be home. Together, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've really built, we've built this life for ourselves in, uh, in Northwest Connecticut. That is, uh, I mean, for us, the perfect, the perfect life. It's just, it's outstanding. It feels grounded. It feels like a vacation. It feels like it just pure love. And, and we are, excited every single time we get to be there so the travel of life is awesome i i'm so appreciative of what i get to do and who i get to share this with um the next vision and the next phase of my life is not going to be all travel i'll probably travel um you know a few months out of the year still um, i'm i definitely want to keep that going because it, it i like the balance of like sometimes you're all over the place and sometimes you're still you know mm-hmm. i think that's the nature of life um so it, that being said I want to um, open up a training center for teachers to come and study and learn how to um, teach in in this uh, way that I call chromatic yoga. It's like a, a step-by-step approach to understanding the body. Ah, chromatic in the sense of like time? Uh, chromatic as in, um, so there's a chromatic color wheel, which is like every shade. And then there's a chromatic scale in music, which is uh, every note in the scale. So there's without skipping notes Mm -hmm. and essentially the the idea behind this chromatic is to be um thorough in your approach to anything you do so like to instead of just like generally glossing over the shoulders Mm -hmm. in in yoga you really understand each aspect of what you can do with the shoulders so you open up the potential for freedom in such a bigger way Mm, that's beautiful i'm really excited about that i would love to learn more about chromatic yoga yeah, me too. <laughs> Still developing it quite a bit. You know, I've I've been uh, I've been I've got some really great teachers that have been studying with me that um, are in many ways um, some actively and some unknown to them are really helping me develop the style. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just I'm so grateful for the people that have been practicing with me because they truly support what I'm doing and they love it for themselves and they've been learning to teach this way and and it's just authentic to them. It's not just like, you know, trying on what I do, but they really resonated with it for themselves and they can create their own version of the practice, you know. So it's been exciting and kind of uh, my phase right now is 
creating creating what is chromatic yoga uh-huh. you know creating the way to teach it to someone yeah. so that it's actually like a structured formula exactly and i've been writing like the manual and everything and and i would like to have it you know so the way that i am i'd like to have it really structured but also the freedom for people to be totally authentic um i've studied lots of styles of yoga and i always feel like i can't be authentic within it you know i feel like i can't I can't be me and still teach to this like box, you know? So how do I, how do I create, um, a methodology of learning that allows you to then turn around and, and, uh, given the training that you have spit it out the way that feels really, you know, good to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, for yogis out there who, are really stoked on what you're doing what can they foresee in the future yeah so they can see they can foresee more trainings right now i'm doing a lot of workshops around the world but i am starting to switch that over to five day intensives and two to five day intensives depending on where i'm at and depending on how developed the community is that i'm um, going to so right now the shift is still traveling but I'll bring the teacher trainings to you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the this idea of the training center, which will be located in Connecticut where I live, um, develops, I'll also be hosting trainings in Connecticut and um, people can come and stay, which I, you know, at first it's going to be, you know, two to five day trainings, but eventually I could see people coming and staying for a month and learning to teach and really, you know, more casual, not like, oh, we're in class every day, but more getting to teach there while they're there, getting live feedback and, and kind of learning in a community. Also, I, I envision uh, people being able to learn how to farm and how to you know grow their own food and cook and so kind of a, a holistic uh, lifestyle but in the more immediate yeah I'm going to be really trying to get deliver more five-day trainings two-day trainings and what I'm really focusing on a lot right now is the mentorship program that I have uh, available which is one-on-one via Skype and um, I help students through my coaching each week with them um they get a half hour session a week with me and we really try to break down what it is that they want to you know be as a teacher and give them a a platform and an outline to develop that Mm, that's beautiful that's so awesome and i feel that's so needed in our community today because there's not um, I would say a lot of resources for teachers or even for students really who are looking to advance their practice on a one-to-one basis, you yeah. know, and actually working with someone who they admire. Cause it's like, you can go to someone's class, but how much are you going to learn about the philosophy of their teaching in just a class? Yeah. Know? And that's, you know, honestly, that's the thing is I, I've had some really great teachers in my time and I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of one-on-one uh, time, you know, starting with my stepmother, uh, she gave me every like every day. I would be with her for hours, asking her every question, and I know the value of that. You know, I know how how amazing that you know was for me. And then I had another mentor after that, and um, I've had a lot of time with other teachers that just sort of happenstance. But 
um, I know the importance of one-on-one connection and especially with people that inspire you. So, you know, for me, it's like, it, it took a little while for me to admit that people might be inspired by me. You know, that's like your own, your own stuff, you know, like, <laughs> but, uh, when I finally was like, you know what, people are coming to practice with me and they, and they want to learn more and I'm not giving it to them. So I was like, how can I offer more personal support to the, the people that want it from me? Um, and this was my solution. It's like, okay, I can coach one-on-one and we can, we can really work together as a team to develop their skills as a, as a teacher. And I learned, of course, a lot from it as well. So, um, it's a, it's a really been a great experience for me. I, I average about 10, 10 clients at a time and, uh, the sessions, uh, the mentorship goes for about three months. Some people extend it six to a year or whatever. And I have ongoing clients for over a year now, but, but some people just do the three months. Um, and once those three months are up and then I open it up to more people to come in and, and, um, and join in. And, and, and I, I hope eventually as time opens up for me, I'll be able to do more mentorship programs. Uh, That's awesome, yeah. man. That's beautiful to see. Um, what would be one, just simple key or golden nugget of advice that you could give to our listeners who may be just in the beginning processes of discovering yoga? The golden nugget, if you're just in the beginning processes and process of discovering yoga is to be open. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know. It's not one golden nugget, but one be open to the path that is ahead of you. Just let it come. You know, no, you're always going to have resistance, but as, as much as you can let go of the resistance and just let life flow through you at this time, this is such an amazing time to be uh, alive. I, I mean, I think you talk to any yogi that, that reflects on where they started. It's that, oh my God, life was terrible. And then things started to shift and you may not, you may not see it at this time. Maybe things are still really challenging or you're going through some really, uh, maybe it's a divorce or maybe it's a, you know, a drug addiction that you just kicked or whatever, or sickness that you're getting over whatever it may be um the darkness that you just went through might feel darker than the light that you're seeing but that light is going to get stronger and stronger so just ride that wave and stay open to it it's going to be a blast and um yeah maybe that's one thing we'll just stay with that yeah (laughs) that's perfect yeah that's super perfect um well i really appreciate you coming here and having this interview with us today and i feel that your knowledge has enlightened our listeners and has helped them on their path and i just want to say that we are grateful and absolutely stoked to have you on the yoga revealed podcast yeah thanks for having me it's such a a, i'm delighted to be here yeah Mm -hmm. and delighted to share and thank you all who listened i i hope that um my words and my experience have uh, inspired you in some way well blessings to you matt namaste namaste brother thank you for tuning into the yoga revealed podcast you can learn more about matt giordano and his upcoming retreats and trainings worldwide at his site theyogimat.com yoga revealers we truly appreciate your support Share these episodes with your friends and feel free to leave us a five-star review if you truly appreciate the work that we do. Every five-star rating helps us bring this podcast to more yogis worldwide. 
as we continue to share the light, continue to shine bright. Until next time, yogis, blessings and namaste. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.